Hello Waterloo Road fans, just popping in before we get started with Series 4 of the podcast to tell you all about our Patreon. So we have a Patreon page where you can find lots of uh, special stuff, including uh, extended versions of our interviews that we do. Um, we do Waterloo Road Awards. We do looking back at particular characters. We have analysed uh, episodes of other school-based TV shows. All of that is at the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Pod. I would like to thank those who have already subscribed to the Patreon. So thank you to Georgia Leah, a.k.a. The Avocado Bath, on both Instagram and TikTok. Thank you to Evan Francis. Thank you to Tom Percival. Thank you to Matthew Kumar. And thank you to Eliza, who is at Multifandom, which is mxlti.fxndcm on Instagram. Thank you to all of you. And as I said, for those who do want to have a look at what we've got to offer and possibly subscribe, you can do so at patreon.com slash Pod. And just before we get going, I wanted to say that we are looking to enter this podcast into the British Podcast Awards this year. We need to put together a montage of clips to show to the judges just how great this podcast is. So we would like you to get in touch if you have any favourite moments from the podcast, particularly funny moments, moments where you really enjoyed the discussion. Um, it would be great if you could get in touch with us via our various social media channels. We are at Waterloo Road Pod. Reach out, let us know the bits you liked, and we can uh, put them in the montage. Um, hopefully we'll be able to put together a really great entry, and who knows, we might win something. But for now, we've got a feature-length Series 4 opener to talk about, so let's get going. Hello and welcome to Series 4 of Everything From Nothing, the Waterloo Road podcast. I can't quite believe we're here. Uh, I am Tom Beasley, your Waterloo Road superfan, joined by Luke Stevenson. Hello. I can't believe we're here either, Tom, and that we're still not allowed to do this in the same room. I know. When we first started, I thought, oh, the first series we'll just do, you know. I mean, like, people people love the banter as it is. Imagine how much it will crackle if we're able to bounce off each other oh, in the same I... same walls. The, pro- the, chemistry, the problem is the chemistry will be so good we won't be able to get through the end of the episode. Uh, yeah, there'll be 80 minutes minimum. <laughs> Good news for Patreons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, so I think everything should be a Patreon these days. So, Yes. Are you excited to get started with another series, having put Series 3 to bed? <laughs> I am very excited. We had a good... I think this has been the longest I've gone about watching an episode of Waterloo Road since lockdown began. Um, we had a good few weeks off while you've been doing like other things. Um, and yeah, I'm ready to get back into it. And I think this episode is a great start and it took me ages to get i kept postponing this because i kept staring down the barrel of a 90 minute episode yes i had had forgotten that this was a 90 minute episode until the moment i pressed play on iplayer and it said 87 i was like 87 (laughs) that no that must say 57 it can't say 87 (laughs) picture people if you will an era in time when the opening episode of series four of the BBC school TV drama was deemed important enough to merit the same length as the ending episode of Game of Thrones. Just... Yeah, but you know what? Which one did you enjoy more? <laughs> right, I would say, 
I would say they took more care over this. <laughs> and I speak, I'm not one of those people. I'm quite happy with the ending of Game of Thrones. The execution was bad. It got to the right place. But the biggest TV event in history lasted the same amount of time as this episode of Waterloo Road. It's just like the ending of Breaking Bad was half this length. <laughs> They were like, we we need ninety minutes to set up this series for. We're like, honestly, we need the time. And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Have have the length of the end of Game of Thrones, the end of Lost. Have all of it. You know what the thing is? Like, I think we both quite enjoyed this episode, but with the best will in the world, it didn't justify an extra half an hour of material. I don't. They've I don't got know. I they've like... got more than this into an hour before. But that's the thing. I feel like the times when they have this amount or more in an hour, we go, this is just mad. What is happening? <laughs> what is happening in the world? But this time it kind of felt, it, although there were lots of shots of like, there was lots of kind of Wes Craven horror score moments. Yeah, there was. There was. And lots of shots of just a boy roaming the halls <laughs> that was kind of like padding time. Um, it was kind of like, I've been playing this video game series at the moment called Mafia. And basically, the missions themselves are very, very short, but they pad out the game time by making you drive to and from them. <laughs> so you just have to commute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The game is a, like most games, like, you know, take the Grand Theft Auto games, Red Dead Redemption, these Mafia games. Most of them are commuter games with a five second gunfight at the end of it. That's the whole thing. And that's kind of what this episode felt like, is you spend a lot of time walking around places. Yes, and as we said, you know, and, and we'll get to this when we talk in a second about the, the introductions of this episode. It's very horror-inflected in a way that Waterloo Road has oh. not been up until now. The director, um, Minky Spyro, has obviously been watching some Nightmare on Elm Street with the way she constructs this. No, no, she's been watching Casualty. Like... <laughs> Every episode of Casualty I've ever watched has someone in a daze where all the lights are just a bit too white. It's like all, all, all the whites are very loud and you can't quite see the character. And then, yeah, that's us. But mainly for the introduction, I was just thankful that the school had learned another football champ. <laughs> it was just chanting Mason out. I hardly, I half expected a plane with a banner to go over the. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but no, we get this strange uh, pre-credit sequence where uh, Rachel is in a hospital bed after the fire um, and she sort of wakes up and walks around the hospital, which sort of merges into the school. And See, then that's, it was clever how they did that because I had an original note, which was like, they're just reusing sets and expecting us <laughs> not to notice. <laughs> no, you know, nothing out of place in Waterloo Road. <laughs> it's like Steph Haydock and the Dodo that time. They think about these things. Um, so yeah, she's walking around the hospital, it becomes the school, we see the sort of assembly hall where they were at the end of last series, all of the pupils and the staff are chanting Mason out, they're doing <laughs> terrifying horror movie faces, it's very, uh, very unpleasant. They had a lot of fun with this. Yes. I feel like there's, I don't know, it just feels like there's a different vibe, we could have checked this but we're not d diligent enough see if there are kind of new writers in store for this but they've definitely got a bit more of a kind of feel for like theatrics and in this episode there are quite a few like twists that aren't just immediately revealed to the audience they happen throughout so they establish things and there was one moment when i was like oh no because <laughs> they genuinely caught me because as we will learn 
as of now, this podcast is exclusively a Flick and Marley stand podcast. <laughs> we have no choice but to stand. <laughs> it is, it's everything they ever wanted Mika and Brett to be in like one episode. It's just there. It's beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it really is. Um, so then we get, yeah, our new and improved title sequence. And now, bizarrely, in the head turn title sequence... Matt and Grantley share a screen, which I don't think they've ever done in the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> like if that's you know if that's just set up for a bromance, I'm here for it. <laughs> I quite like I quite like that. But yeah, and there's just a disappointing lack of head turns. The show has yeah. really lost its way in ter- in terms of head turns. I don't think there's a really like convincing one. There's a couple of nods. There's some smirks. <laughs> I this just... director was too busy making horror movies to, <laughs> to do any head turns. It's like, no, no, we can't have Eddie with a knife in his neck in the intro. He just needs <laughs> to be looking, just needs to be smirking at the camera. Um, so, yeah, we start then with Rachel, um, who has been badly burned in the fire. Um, we don't learn what happened to Stuart. <laughs> we don't know. We don't want to know. <laughs> And we'll get to Davina in a minute. I have thoughts about Davina. Um, who, lest we forget, seriously injured in the fire. <laughs> because the show forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have one note about Davina, and it's buried at the end of the episode. Okay, we will get um, there. Um, I also, I enjoy how now we can always, in an uncertain world, we can always bank that bank on the start of a series of Waterloo Road is the main plot is the head teacher has some form of PTSD. Yes, I, I, I was going to say that we're essentially <laughs> rerunning the Jack Rimmer trauma arc from um, the start of series three. Um, and as, as we did then, we have the head teacher desperately wanting to go back to work. Um, they're saying she should recover more and that she might need more skin grafts. But Rachel's like, no. And Rachel turns to her actual doctor in a medical scenario and says, it's not your opinion that matters right now. <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so Rachel arrives at school. We get break even by the script. Uh, Fantastic song choice. Yeah. I feel like that song that song still works. Yeah, there's the script were very vanilla back in the day. They're even more vanilla now, but I still like it. It's <laughs> all right. But what's odd is they end this. They start and end this episode by bookending it with the both best and the worst script songs. It's <laughs> it's very odd these choices. <laughs> um. So yes, we get the school kids sort of blurring around Rachel as she walks into the school. Um, Grantley turns up in a terrible hat and coat combo, more of which later. Um, <laughs> but Grantley is supposed to be banned for something, right? Remind me. Oh, there was, the, like, there was the coursework uh, uh, cheating yeah. scandal. And he's just now back. <laughs> he's back as comic relief. <laughs> it's like... The fire burned up a lot of things. <laughs> yes, I mean, not least. Not least the fact that uh, Rachel has a new office by the looks of it. It's all been nicely repainted and done up. Well, we, we know that Davina can do stuff like that in like three minutes. It's how she's got a job in this school, isn't it? So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so she, Rachel walks into her new office. Uh, Eddie's there. There's immediate romantic tension between them, despite the fact that wasn't even a part of the last series. <laughs> I know! <What> is... <laughs> Just like, day one. Bang, romantic tension. 
but it's like even then the moment was more convincing than the moment that led to the start of series three which was chloe and brett hooking up yes like even then i was just like yeah i, I feel more for rachel and eddie in this moment than i ever did then but like, it's like a running thing like the end of the episode yeah. i think eddie's just like before the fire we were it's like yeah. before the fire you were slut shaming her for like, weeks. like six episodes ago <laughs> you, were, you couldn't work at the school anymore because you found out she was a sex worker like, <laughs> oh, i found out things were hard at home and it all just broke down <laughs> Um, so Rachel then declares it's time for assembly. This school has never had an assembly before. <laughs> it, it does when it needs to. So the assemblies I can remember... Zero is, tolerance policy. Hell yeah, always keeping the originals. <laughs> Zero tolerance policy for violence against teachers. Um, let's have a Lorna. debate... Yeah, tribute to Lorna. Yeah, let's have a debate about Christians in schools. Yeah. And then I can't think of another one. But the others have just been events, haven't they? Where it's been, yeah, yeah. oh, let's, you know, the head talks after the musical or the head talks after they sang the terrible French version of Wonderwall. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> not a French word for backbeat. Um, so, well, it, it, it's fitting, actually, we bring that up because when Rachel enters the assembly hall, they are singing probably the worst song I've ever heard in my life. I don't even know what the song is called, but at that moment, if I was Rachel, I would have burned the school down again. <laughs> it's, I just wrote welcome home song because that's kind of the refrain. They appear to have, for some reason, Janice is singing as part of the song, despite the fact we know what her singing voice is like. <laughs> in, in a chorus, everyone can do it. Like, I, I really can't sing and I used to do lots of performing arts stuff. So I would always, I'd just, I'd mouth or I'd give a little bit of it I'm tone deaf. I don't know what pitch is. I'm just, you know, I'm great in a crowd. Honestly, I blend in. I think it's another symptom of something we've talked about before. I think it was in that same episode with the Wonderwall thing, actually, where they don't seem to be able to nail down how old that they want these kids to feel. So that song has like primary school vibes. Yeah. Oh, we'll write a song to welcome back. It's like in that Wonderwall episode where they got that girl to stand up and read a poem for my mum or whatever it was. And she was like 15 years old. (laughs) And in this one, they're all sharing like saucy sonnets of one another in the classroom. Yeah. Um, But like, I remember actually, because that's that's a good point, because at the end of primary school in year six, our teacher retired. So our music teacher thought it would be a good idea for at the end of term performance. So they always did what we called like a Kaylee, which is some Cornish word for performances. Um, and we sung a I version of Kaylee was like um like a Celtic dance. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> it's all it's all Celtic. <laughs> People I just, used to I, just that... well, I just don't want you claiming it for the Cornish folk because I'm pretty sure it's it at least in Scotland it's traditional. I think. Right, let's have a let's have a Google of this. <laughs> okay, so yeah, it's a social event with Scottish or Irish folk music dancing, which our teachers in Cornwall said was Cornish. There you go. Um... So I just thought I'd get in on the ground level before the cultural appropriation started. <laughs> There's... <laughs> there's a there's 18 years of my life crumbling down um but and we sung at the end of that um a, an adapted version of goodbye which again you know the context for that was never fully shared with us um <laughs> so 
and I, that's why I found it so odd that they'd be like, hey, all of these teenagers would absolutely be up for singing a welcome back song yeah. for their teacher. But then Bolton, and Bolton starts up only one <laughs> Mrs. Mason. Yeah, which feels more natural. Yeah. But also, why are these kids pretending Jack Rimmer doesn't exist? I know. God damn, the sheer disrespect. Jack Rimmer did not burn down the school once. <laughs> and he never got this kind of hero worship. Uh, sure, he sold it to the Christian right. <laughs> One thing Rachel has achieved, though, that Jack Rimmer never did is that she's been able to get a prominent banner with everything from nothing written on it to go above but, the school stage. <laughs> she hasn't, though, because it isn't everything from nothing. It's everything nothing from. Stop it. <laughs> that's, that's how it scans. You just don't want to give them the win. Um, <laughs> everything nothing from. So... Uh, while Rachel's talking, um, they show they show her just a shot of Davina, who's just sat next to Bolton, as if to go, oh yeah, she's alive. Uh, don't worry about her <laughs> at the end of series three. She's alive. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no notion of how her near-death experience was handled, or she how was... she's recovering. <laughs> the last we saw of her, she was wheeled off in an ambulance. Like, Covered in, in like, certain... Yeah. And also, Brett and Mika were there. So... <laughs> By all we know, Davina's fine. Those two were just like somehow they they were hit by the ambulance on the way out and they're gone. <laughs> yeah, weirdly, there's there's a, a like a line referencing Celine in this episode, but not and no a, reference. Not <laughs> and it's like we get the kids grow out of things and they move on, etc. But like. Mika and Brett weren't even going through like the university application stuff. They weren't mm. looking for jobs and stuff like that. No, they haven't. They environmental activists. <laughs> yeah, they didn't build a path for them out of the show, which means they can get away with just saying, "Oh yeah, they we can't. We don't acknowledge them now. They're just gone." Yeah, Whereas I can, only, I can have... only assume the school blowing up put a bit of a downer on exam season as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> In, in steps Gavin Williamson <laughs> to fix <laughs> yeah. um, so we then get the arrival of the Kelly family um, with Kids by MGMT as the music um, I... classic FIFA song yes I think FIFA 09 just, or FIFA 12 one of the two <laughs> just this yeah. all of the time this um, so it's great to have the Kellys because I love the Kellys um, they are involved in at least two of my all-time favourite Waterloo Road storylines. Um, so it's quite a joy to have them, including, and we mentioned this, way back, I think it was halfway through series two, where yeah, Reece, when they were like... Noy played that character at Finest Fashions with the Slack Knicker Lady. <laughs> See, I was going to say they were at Naughty Knickers. It was definitely <laughs> not called Naughty Knickers. <laughs> Naughty Knickers is a different <laughs> shop that they would not send teenagers to for work experience. Yeah, well. Um, but yeah, so this is Reese Noy playing a completely different character. He is now the utterly unhinged Earl Kelly. The thing that annoys me about this, though, is they do it in this episode and they do it in the next one. Is the first, They go, right, we've cast this boy and he was in it before as this other character who gave drugs to Maxine. Yeah. So how do we get around that? I know, will establish a love plot between him and Maxine, where at some point, he, she's going to look at him like she recognises him, but not mention it. Yeah. And in episode two, he offers her drugs. 
<laughs> she should have just gone, wait, I'm getting serious deja vu. <laughs> and it's like, I understand this came out like before I played, people weren't doing catch-ups. Yeah. So like the kind of... People, people, wouldn't, who people watching, wouldn't have remembered that incidental character. But the people who just kind of have like vague memories just been like, what the bloody hell is going on here? <laughs> this feels so familiar. Yeah, and it's not like he was, like, he was like a kid of the week for an episode. He was like fairly yeah, prominent. Yeah. He wasn't just a background character. Yeah, I, I did say my note at this point was it, it, the show needs to decide whether it's a soap or not. Because this whole kind of like new family arrival and crash very landing, very it's soap. very soap opera. It's very, oh, look at all these new people who have just moved into the street, mm. etc. Well, I think that's um, sort of what you're talking about in some ways when you say that it's like the show uh, kind of finding a tone now. It's like they've gone, actually, sod it, we're a soap. Mm-hmm. When, you know, um, and uh, Jamie Glover, Andrew Treneman said this in our interview, actually, that when he first joined the show, the premise was, it was about these teachers trying to turn around this failing school. And that's kind of gone now. It is just a soap. Yeah, we have quite a lot of rate. But like, again, one of the things I liked about Rachel in this episode is it kind of turned out to like a personal motivation rather than the mechanics of fixing the school. You kind of learn a bit more about her character, which is she feels like to overcome all of the stuff that's happened in her past, she needs to fix everything. She mm. needs to save everything and stuff like that. And you see that kind of come through here. So it is it is still kind of about turning around a failing school, but they're attaching it a lot more to these kind of soapy storylines. Yes, and in soap style, what we now get is like a flurry of exposition. So we see that Earl has a gun in his bag. We learn that Matt is... Oh, go on. You really want to intervene here. Where do you get a gun in this country? (laughs) No, I'm not asking for tips. No, I'm asking as like a general hypothetical, because like we all know like in, in America, it's like you buy a sandwich, you get given a free gun that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas here, the fact that they just have a gun on them as like an introduction, like I, I couldn't even think, like you're six degrees of separation. Yeah. And you'll eventually connect with someone famous or something, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe there are 12 degrees of separation that can get from my social circle <laughs> to a gun. There, is, there, ain't, there ain't one. I'm just like, where in this country do you get a gun from? No. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Um, we then learn that Matt has split up with Colin over the uh, over the summer, um, and he is now apparently immediately a grumpy drunk. Uh, that's just mm. where his character's he's a, gone. He's a party animal. Yeah. Um, we meet Rob, who is the new head of PE. Um, okay. Hot take. I think one we can both back up from our school days, all young PE teachers are fit. Yeah, true. Yeah. Like one of uh, the guys I went to school with, he became a PE teacher and I remember when he was doing it, I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're, when you're 22, 23, doing your training, you're exactly the kind of PE teacher that I'd expect. <laughs> you are overwhelmingly attractive. There are, there, so are like, there are like two brands of PE teacher. There is stupidly attractive young mid twenties PE teacher. Yeah. And middle-aged person who once played semi-pro hockey for the county like 40 years ago and is now a PE teacher. <laughs> There's nothing in between. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, those are the types. Yeah, I wonder what they do. I wonder what the 25-year-old goes and does in the 20 years before they come back as that broken sort. <laughs> and also another thing about this scene is like Jasmine, Matt makes a joke about football. Um, 
around the PE teacher because there's a neat, for some reason Matt's trying to make a frisson between Jasmine and Rob happen, and then he makes this joke about football, which Jasmine's just like ha 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 whatever. But like, Jasmine's a football player. <laughs> we know that, but it's kind of like a couple of times this episode they just kind of like ignore all of the things Jasmine did, <laughs> all of the things we learned about Jasmine in series three. They just ignore. Yeah. For some because, reason, because she's now Rob's romantic interest. Yeah, exactly. Like, last series, she was just Davina's sounding board for her relationship problems. And like, yeah. But there's no scene in this episode, or, or the next one, I don't think, of her going to Davina and saying, what about this new guy? Yeah. But it's just like, again, it's, it's, it is proper schoolyard, is that you have the two young, attractive teachers, and you're just like, oh, yeah, everyone's like, yeah. it's happening, it's happening. Yeah. Um, so uh, Earl is sort of thugging about outside the front of the school trying to beat up a taxi driver um, Eddie and Rachel show up and, uh, Rachel Rachel does the like who are you thing and Earl says I'm your worst nightmare <laughs> because apparently I wrote this when I was 13 <laughs> it feels like during the, the bit in Game of Thrones when they introduced Dickon Tarly and um Bron just laughs hysterically because yes. he's called Dickon. Yes. And it's just like any self-respecting adult when a kid says, oh, I'm your worst nightmare, would just go, what the hell are you talking yeah. about? You're a but, child. But I think they've already got the fact that psycho vibes are radiating from Earl Kelly. <laughs> oh, yeah. And to be fair to the actor, every time in this, like, I think when they went this way with kind of like Lewis Seddon or other kids of the week, you never quite bought it. Yeah. Whereas this kid sells the idea that he's legitimate psychopath. Yeah. I, I, I was never, you know, with the exception of maybe the one scene with, uh, with Kim, I was never that scared of Lewis Seddon. And I certainly wasn't that scared of Bolton or Paul yeah, yeah. when they tried to do it with them. Um, but yeah, there's a genuine sense of danger about Earl Kelly. Um, yeah. Maybe it's because we see him, he's got a gun, he's fighting with a cabbie. Like, it sets him up pretty <laughs> pretty uh, succinctly. He, he can apparently change the ability for people to recognise his face <laughs> <Yeah>. at will. <laughs> so, um, Eddie is also uh, about to beat up the taxi driver, because the taxi driver says, oh, typical Waterloo Road, they should have let this place burn. Um, Just a taxi driver willing the death of children. Yep, yeah, that's it. Whatever. Go for it, mate. Uh, it's at this point we meet um, the guy who is in all of our hearts this series, Marley Kelly. Um, oh. <laughs> in the space of 45 minutes, I went through not knowing two of the characters to being like, I would stand in front of a train to protect them. Um, so Marley seems to be the only person who can even slightly control Earl. Um, he says, oh, you need to calm down. We've actually got a chance here. Um, and Earl sort of says he's going to play nice and then as you alluded to earlier he immediately locks eyes with Maxine on the stairs and, and, and yeah. you're ready and you're ready for Maxine to go don't I know you from somewhere <laughs> you went to this school a couple of years ago and you sold me <laughs> drugs yeah um, then there's my favourite scene of the episode where it's casually dropped into conversation that Chloe and Dante are engaged <laughs> I, I, I think I had to pause it because I laughed so hard. <laughs> and then, but like, Maxine, a momentary voice of reason is like, how can you be engaged to someone you're already married to? And then she goes, we're trying to do it proper this time. And I was like, no, 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 Maxine, stop her. Stop her there and really go over this. Did you not learn from the first three times you got engaged to Dante Charles? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh yeah, Dante's made it a thing now. It's every time I get a year older. It's apparently it's a different <laughs> engagement. So they they drop in a line about Celine, um, just I guess to to mention the fact she's not there anymore. More courtesy, as we said, than they gave Mika and Brett. Oh. Um, we're then introduced to your second hero of the episode, Flick Meller. Ah, oh, Flick. <laughs> it's just like when you've got a name that's like her proper name was like Felicity or something. Felicity, yeah. But then a nickname like Flick, that's just, that's cool. That's yeah. styled out. She's, she's dangerous. She's posh. She's got it all. She's got it all going. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Alicia and Danielle don't like her, um, probably because she's been appointed head girl, despite the fact we've never seen her before. So <laughs> I didn't realise this, this school had head girls or head boys. They haven't until I, right now when they needed one for the plot. <laughs> I just assumed that's what Brett did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it would have been Brett had yeah, that yeah. been a thing. So, uh, Steph meets Grantley in the staff room. Grantley refers to Rachel as our resident lady of the night. Um, it's kind of one of the very few references to that in the episode. Yeah, it seems to... People as seem if, to be really over that. Yeah, as if that wasn't a huge revelation. Um, so Grantley then wants Steph's advice on something he's done. Um, it turns out he's wearing a terrible wig. <laughs> like, an but awful he, wig. It's like... He says he had it custom made. Now, custom made wigs are quite convincing. Yeah, they this are. one just this one just isn't uh, any like it like the uh, like. We, to be fair, we know Grantley's on a budget. <laughs> Grantley budget, never mind. Um, so, so so he's styling it out. I think it's obviously not custom made. So Steph, to her credit, manages to mostly hold it together. And basically says, oh, you should go outside, take some, be proud of it, Grantley. At which point Tom and Jasmine walk in and openly laugh in his face. <laughs> I enjoy that. I enjoy that teacher banter. Yeah. And of course he then walks into the hallway and like the pet jokes are immediate. Yeah. Um, I just can't, like, I can't imagine a teacher doing that. and not expecting that reaction from people. It's just insane. It's insane behaviour. A, a boy in our class who could grow a beard when we were still in school, so obviously he was he was the object of ridicule because of his increased masculinity, which I have still <laughs> not yet matched ten years later. He he shaved it into basically like the thin Jason Derulo beard. Oh god. So what we he, this lasted one day because <laughs> Every time we spoke to any of us, we just wouldn't hear him. He'd repeat it, and then we'd go, sorry, what'd you say? Every single time. Oh, sorry, until, I, I missed that originally. That was too until, cerebral for me. <laughs> until it broke him down to the point where the neck, he just shaved it all off. <laughs> I can't believe you forgot on 2009 era Jason Derulo I know, songs. I know. It's because I was expecting for the more Route 1 just yelling Jason Derulo at him. No, no, no. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. This was from the genius minds who created yelling little donkey over and over again at a teacher. <laughs> I was not involved in that. Um, so yeah, Dante's new project. He's allowed to hang around the school for some reason, despite the fact he's presumably left. Um, his new project is this, the most horrible like but, camper van I've ever seen in my life. But like, he hasn't left because he's in the assembly. So I think Dante's in his second year of A-levels and he's doing an MVQ, but that MVQ allows him to park a camper van on campus and just work on it freely. And also, like, okay, 
we know where this is going as soon as I start the sentence, but just bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope you're Dante... ready to, I hope you're all ready to sing along at home. <laughs> Dante is renovating a vehicle for the purpose of driving multiple people at once. Can someone please, can someone... There's been a lot of cast changes since that happened, but someone at some point should just say to him, Dante, this is not your area. <laughs> they should have, you know, they should have put it on the banner. Everything from nothing. P.S. <laughs> Dante has a conviction for causing death by dangerous driving. <laughs> but we're going to let him work on this car outside. Um, so, yeah, he's setting up a sort of mobile hairdressers thing for Clo, um, with, quote, <laughs> cupboards for all her hair stuff. <laughs> Um, the it reminds me of the thing from Friends, the like pitch for like Relaxy Taxi, <laughs> and then like when it says um, when it's just saying that we will drive you around while you're having a massage, and what do you have? And Chandler says a place where no one will ever get out of alive, <laughs> and that's like it's like mobile hairdressing. That just sounds like you know my mum like nicked my ears more than once, just sat still. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's what's happening. Um... Tom and Rob bizarrely come along to take a look at it and do a grease lightning joke. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that. It's good. I'm enjoying Tom without any existential dread. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's just like allowed to be a fun character like he was in like episode one and then no, never no, was again. No, episode one, the first thing he says is, Laura, let's not get married. <laughs> and then... <laughs> 16 episodes later, Lorna kills herself. Yeah. Tom was never without existential dread. Yes, so this, you know, this is him at his best. So they're, they're talking to the Kellys um, about uh, potentially enrolling them at the school. Eddie finds out that Earl threw a chair at his old school and they react with horror as if that's the worst thing anyone has done. <laughs> like if he tried to burn the head teacher alive, they'd have given him a job in the kitchen. Like it's... <laughs> Not only burn a head teacher alive, but sexually assault one of the other members of staff. And it's like, yeah. oh yeah, he's fine. He's back. Like, oh no, he threw, um, he threw a chair. But yeah, Rachel agrees to take them, but warns them. What does she warn them? We have a zero a tolerance zero policy tolerance. for violence. <laughs> but she forgets it's violence against teachers. Yeah. There was a fight club operated here last <laughs> series. It's fight what? amongst yourselves, but just don't come for me. So yeah, Eddie invites Rachel for an after-work drink because they're romantic interests now. Um, Eddie then sort of goes and distributes the Kellys around the school. There's a bit where, because there's, there's an infant Kelly who is handed to Janice and Maxine, who appear to be like running some sort of crash. Yeah, so like Rachel earlier on mentions like, I hope you knew the, hope you like the new bits that we've extended. And it must be like the kind of NVQ thing as they're getting qualifications in childhood. Yeah, I guess. But aren't they in a classroom later? They were in school uniform earlier. Yeah, but they might, but again, like, because Dante's in school uniform at one point and then he's just working yeah, on the van. Yeah, I guess. So maybe it is part of this. It's an excuse to keep cast members on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who people <But> like. <laughs> my main problem, and we might get this, you know, if they've got a sign for everything, nothing from, they should hopefully, hopefully for that crash, have a sign, which is, it's called Jasmine Crashies. Wow. Yeah, it's not happening. It's not happening. Right, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, we find out that Mar Marley Kelly is actually really smart, but struggles with exams and so hasn't got to where he needs to go. They assign Flick to him as a sort of buddy and uh, 
a romance is born immediately. Yeah, yeah. You might as well have just stopped and played like a three-minute montage of just like lightning bolts connecting between eyes. They'll be on commemorative plates by the end of the series. <laughs> oh, that should be our first merch. <laughs> Uh, so we meet, I was very upset about this next scene, because we meet the new head of the governors, so Nigel is presumably no more. All my questions are Nigel. Like, <laughs> why are the, where's Nigel? Why'd they do this to Nigel? <laughs> Nigel and his evil BMW, we miss him. <laughs> but, again, twists with payoff. Why do we have this governor introduced? So we can be mad at the lack of discipline in the school, there's a gun, the gun comes from a Kelly... And then he's Flick's dad. Yeah. It's Romeo and Juliet, Tom. <laughs> Goddamn Romeo. We, we have a character who's written as something of a villain who's a cop, so ahead of their time. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Hashtag defund the police, says Waterloo Road. <laughs> I, just before this, like, so Sam Kelly, her full name is Sambuca, yeah. right? That's, that's a silly name. It's because their mum's an alcoholic. Yeah, you know, ha ha ha, we all get it. But it's a silly name. Eddie knows it's a silly name. You're introducing this girl, she's not in school uniform, to a class full of students. Call her Sam, Eddie. Do her a favour, that one instant. But no, immediately it's just like, this girl's called Sam Booker. This is obviously mad. There's always a few kids at school that only go by like a shortened name. And then you only find out why when a supply teacher comes in. And reads directly off the register. And so she'd go, Sambuca. And the class would go, what? (laughs) Um, So yeah, uh, Ralph Meller is the new chair of the governors. Um, It turns out they've done some sort of vote of no confidence in Rachel. Uh, It was decided she should have a second chance. But Ralph hates her and wants her out. And he wants Eddie to run the school. We've all been there. Governor, governor wants someone else in charge. But like, do you reckon this actually happens? Like, there seems to have been like a proper power struggle over the summer about the governor wanting Eddie to take in her place. He's like, you might have missed your chance to run this place. Do people really care that much? I'm, I'm not certain they do. No. Eddie really wanted to run the school that one day when Jack left and then Rachel turned up. Yeah. Because that's what I thought when he was kind of, when she walks in, he sat at her desk. I was like, oh, we're back to this. Yeah. But no, it's just immediately romantic. <laughs> Um, so Sam Kelly uh, immediately confronts Matt over having a terrible music lesson, which is, to be fair, a terrible music lesson. Yeah, Matt's having a hang. Matt has a hangover, so he makes the kids listen to classical music for forty minutes and they discuss <laughs> what they got from it. <laughs> um, yeah, he sends her to sit in the corner, and then a bit later, he sort of tries to half-heartedly bond with her over being the new one. Yeah, Matt Blair witches her. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, very oddly framed. Continues the horror theme of this episode. (laughs) Um, So meanwhile, uh, Denzel Kelly, who's the sort of, uh, the youngest one who's not an infant, um, he is in Jasmine's English class, and Jasmine, like, encourages him to read aloud, and he struggles, um, and everyone in the class uh, laughs at him. Um, But then after the lesson, there's a nice little bit where Jasmine asks Denzel if anyone's helped him with his reading before, and she offers him extra help. So Denzel seems like a good egg. Yeah, and it, but I know it's like the Kellys weak and everything, 
But could you imagine being a teacher and on someone's first day, you call on them in the class? Because Tom does it with Marley as well, yeah. which is just the, the embodiment of all evil. It's like, this is yeah. your first day. Yeah, I'm going to make, make you read your love poem in front of everybody. But it goes well for Marley, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Because Flick visibly melts as, as, oh, as he reads so, so did I. <laughs> I was in that, like, full disclaimer... Sometimes I like to unwind while I watch um, the Wartley, Wartley Road. So I watch it in the bath and it was very much like, <laughs> do you know that? I, thought, in, you, I uh, thought you only did that for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I live in this bath, Tom. Um, it's like the bit in the Simpsons when Edna's reading the letter, love letter from Woodrow. And then when he finishes it, she like collapses underneath yes. the bubbles <laughs> or Yeah. <laughs> That was me. He read it and I was like, I like poetry now. But yes, and you can tell that she's she's been melted by it because we get an instrumental version of Take a Bow by Rihanna. <laughs> Which I think, conservatively speaking, goes on for 40 minutes. And I think that's why the episode is so long. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they bring a lot of stuff in that instrumental. There's a lot yeah. of emotions that Rihanna is asked to lift there, isn't it? Um. So the, the, the final Kelly in this montage is Earl, who has fallen asleep in Steph's class. Um, Steph kind of stands up to his bravado a little bit, um, and he sort of locks up the gun underneath the table as if he's going to shoot Steph. <laughs> I mean, him and all of the audience. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a drastic tone change, but we all would have forgiven them if they did it. <laughs> That would have been, that would have justified the feature length episode. You'd have been but, like, oh, what? <laughs> A proper, like, 40 minutes in, and the new boy shoots Steph. Um, so yeah, Earl continues to go on the warpath. Uh, Paul sort of bumps into him in the hallway, having sort of bumped into him earlier. Um, Earl, you know, starts threatening him. He has a row with Bolton. Um, Earl throws Paul up against the locker. Um, until Tom shows up. Um, Earl throws Tom against the locker. They kind of square up, and then Earl does like a finger gun at Tom's head. Tom Tom has a bit of a Jack Rimmer moment, and then he goes, he does. A why am I fighting a child? <laughs> but like, Tom, Tom seems to go at him with a lot of confidence. But again, as we've already said about Earl, you look into his eyes, and you know that he would kill you and your family. Yes. He just, he has that vibe. At that point, I would have gone, all right, lad, take your yeah. leave. And I was Go genuinely on. scared for Tom in that scene. I was like, no, Tom, gentle no, Tom, I'm... darling Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm never scared for Tom. I'm always scared for Tom's loved ones. <laughs> That's why Mika and Brett just got out of Dodge. <laughs> Aren't there like memes about like people who stand in front of like, like they get hit by a bullet in a rebound and it just hits someone else. <laughs> it's like, that's Tom for like four series of this. It's just like everything is coming at him and then somehow it just rebounds on everybody around him. Absolutely. Um, so uh, we get a brief scene of Alicia and Danielle talking about how fit Marley is, which, you know, fair. Um, they're upset that he's been sort of claimed by Flick. Uh, at, at which point, Mrs. Kelly, Rose Kelly, staggers onto the school grounds drunk. Yeah, I feel, I feel like because they're laying the groundwork for the Kellys to be a long-running thing, I don't feel like they needed to do the number of embarrassing drunk things that she does in this episode. Mm. 
for us to get the idea. Like I felt like the conversations with the the kids had with her and yeah. kind of reflected to her was enough without the kind of numerous times where she staggers in. It's like one of those. I feel it's like the only time the show kind of drops into its kind of worst kid of the week habit. Yeah, that's it. They love to hammer home a point. Yeah, and it's like, I think we can all understand that she's an alcoholic from how the kids spoke about her at the start of the episode without yeah. needing the stuff that she does in this episode to back it up. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, Grant Lee is in the staff room ranting about nut jobs and charity cases, um, but he's got the wig on, so you just can't take anything he says seriously. <laughs> Meanwhile, Earl is sort of pointing the gun at a mirror, like taxi driver style. Yeah. And we see him load it and like put it in the waistband of his trousers. I, I get right. I've never held I, a gun. No, I've, I've, yeah, I know. Yeah, I've always wondered about this. Why the waistband of the trousers? It seems like it has such potential to go very, very wrong for you. <laughs> like, it's like in Harry Potter, Mad-Eye Moody says, a better wizard than you is like shocked his buttock off yes. about keeping it in your back pocket. Now I would not keep a load. <laughs> I'm going to finish sentence. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to put like, ca- like Sid James carry on laughter in the background when you say it. <laughs> I knew where I was going with it before I started it. And I'm just caught up with myself. I would not keep a loaded weapon in my pants. <laughs> 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 and and we're all very grateful for that. <laughs> Sorry, it's just one of those things where I saw where I was going halfway yeah. through, and I was like, "Oh God." Um. So, uh, Rob, <laughs> Rob, and Jasmine have a bit of banter about football. Um. Steph shows up to make a crack about being hot and sweaty because, of course, she does. Um, yeah, it says she needs to be active for 20 minutes. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of work, Steph. Yeah. Well, when um, you're walking around with a loaded weapon in your pants, there's only... <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, again, this, like, start of the series, new characters. So, on my notes, I didn't know that Rob's name was Rob, so I just call him Fit PE Teacher. Um, but Fit PE Teacher says that the girls' football team hasn't won anything yet. Whereas... We saw them won a match last year and they kept claiming that they'd won a cup. So are they just, <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> are they just erasing the history of the girls' football team? I know, they went to all the trouble of it's, like, constructing that fake history. <laughs> it's, very, it's very the FA in the 70s, 80s and 90s just be like, <laughs> yeah, women's football doesn't exist. It exists when we say it exists and it doesn't exist now. So Rachel finds Earl Kelly, gives him a pep talk, and then he's immediately arrogant to Eddie about that pep talk. Like, another child saved. <laughs> My work here is done. Doesn't go well. I think this is like, there's a close-up in this scene where you can see that Earl definitely has the evil boy bum fluff. <laughs> yes, yes. It's he like, is. he has that embarrassing level of moustache, which, full disclosure, I still can't grow. But he has that embarrassing level of moustache that he still won't shave off. Yeah. Which is like, that's what, like, if you don't shave it off, then you're just evil. Yeah. He's like, just masculine enough to be really insecure. And yeah. therefore dangerous. <laughs> yeah, and that's um, like, just masculine enough to be really insecure is what happens with 90% of the male characters in this show, especially yeah. the teenagers. Like, all of them are just like, oh, God. Yeah. And um, so he, Earl chases down Paul and Bolton, says he wants to show them something, and then, like, makes a jibe about them being gay to get them to come with him. Exactly. Just masculine enough to be f- terrified there of their is. masculinity. Um <laughs> 
there's a brief scene where Chloe is really unimpressed by the crappy van, especially because he's put the worst sign on it ever with saying Chloe's cuts with a Z. <laughs> the thing I don't understand about this is why is Chloe being so difficult and Dante trying so hard? Dante didn't have sex with Brett. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but we've forgotten about that. Brett's gone. We don't like, have to think about like, that anymore. <laughs> at, at this point, like, Dante's trying really hard. All Dante ever does is try really hard. Sure, he doesn't succeed, <laughs> but, like, you know... Like, he literally sa- he saved her from a fire, like, not two <laughs> months prior. <laughs> yeah. Of, of his victims, she was the one who wasn't killed or <laughs> in a coma. It's true. It's true. Give him a break, Chloe. And we think we get a brief, com- like the show loves a comedy interview montage. And we get that here. Uh, Rachel and Eddie are doing interviews for um, head of extended services, which is something to do with teaching adults. Uh, to be fair, though, of all of its comedy interview montages, I feel like this one, as it's not about a dead baby buried in the ground. Yeah. It, it's much more tonally fine. But they do intercut it with... Earl with an active shooter situation. <laughs> threatening Paul and Bolton with a loaded firearm. <laughs> like, there's a point where Earl, like, aims the gun at Bolton. And then in the background, you can hear, like, jaunty music starting up. And in your head, you're like, they're going to cut to the comedy interviews, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. It's, like, so much of this show is, like, the scene in Dead Set when they're all being chased by the zombies to the tune of Mika. <laughs> I feel like that's a very specific cultural reference. People know Dead Set. I, I mean, I know Dead Set, but I think if you if if you weren't the right age when it aired, I don't think it will have like crossed your consciousness. Charlie Charlie Brooker before he did Black Mirror and before Black Mirror was on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, he did um, a zombie thing about Big Brother that was very good, and was inspired directly by the tonal mismatch, which is Waterloo Road. <laughs> But yeah, so Earl's yeah threatening Bolton. And, I'm doing a gun sign with my hand as, if, as I'm saying this. Oh yeah, Tom, Tom calm down. <laughs> Wait, you started it with your loaded weapon. <laughs> told you, told you not to get it out. <laughs> oh, I'm giving myself an edit job, aren't I? Um, I feel like as long as we keep it like fairly carry on, it's okay. <laughs> So, yeah, um, Earl's threatening uh, them. Earl makes Paul get on his knees, which, lest we forget, is something Paul did to lots of other kids just last series. Yeah, yeah, when they were running a gulag. Yeah, when they were like the the enforcement squad or whatever they were. At at this point, Paul's just like, we're on the same team, you and I. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so Earl makes Paul say sorry to him. He gets them both on their knees. Paul, like, shines his trainers... Um, Bolton refuses to lick Earl's shoes um, Paul then just legs it um, and Earl lets yeah. Bolton follow him a few seconds later yeah now like full disclosure a psychopath with a gun has never threatened me okay yeah, true yeah so, I agree like it's kind of like if I walk across the street and a car speeds up because the car is dri- being driven by an arse right in my head I'm just like he isn't going to risk the criminal charge for killing me with his car just to get to his destination five seconds quicker. So, surely in this scene... Weren't reckoning with Dante behind the wheel, were you? <laughs> <laughs> surely in this scene, Paul and Bolton could just go, look, 
he isn't going to shoot us in the head if we don't lick his shoe. Yeah, but he's got like <laughs> he's got the cra- eyes. Yeah, <laughs> he's I got the crazy he, eyes. I believe he'd do anything. Um, there's a strange just to like wrap up this bit of the interviews. There's a weird bit where Eddie says Rachel's never going to find who she wants because she's looking, and I wrote this down. She's looking for a mixture of Rambo, Mother Teresa, and Jeremy Kyle. What does that look like? <laughs> A show that's cancelled with an apology by <laughs> ITV. It's like they just got like a tombola and just went da 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 Rambo, da 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 Mother Teresa. Yeah, but like Jeremy Kyle is like on a scale like Rambo has his troubles, but he's a better person than Jeremy Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, arguably, I mean, certainly in the first one, he's just defending himself. Yeah, and then in the other ones, I feel like. By the time he gets to Rambo 5 and he's (laughs) wiggling someone's collarbone out of their throat just for the crime of being Mexican. (laughs) Does that happen? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, so not that Rambo. But then again, I'd say Jeremy, like, he's still a better person than Jeremy Kyle, really, isn't he? If if ITV at 9.30 in the morning had allowed him to wiggle collarbones, he would have wiggled collarbones. (laughs) So Paul sort of apologises to Bolton for legging it. Uh, he makes a quip about how it happens all the time in America. Um, and boy, does it, Paul, <laughs> especially now. Um, uh, so uh, Marley gives Denzel a little talk about not letting Earl mess this all up for them. Um, mm-hmm. At which point you know full well that Earl's going to mess it all up for them. At which point I think Sam pours fuel on the fire by enlisting Earl to rough up a girl who insulted her earlier. Yeah. That's the thing. Sam's, Sam's, every time she talks to her mum, she's like, oh, I just want it to be normal. But then she's like, I'm going to get my mad brother and set him like a <laughs> rabid dog on the girls who are mean to me. Back at the interviews, Rachel has brought in this late candidate, Melissa. Um, she seems very impressed by uh, Melissa. Uh, Eddie's a bit more critical but at that point all of the interviews are uh, thrown to one side because a note comes under Rachel's door saying there's a gun in the school not (laughs) shall we say in my pants yes (laughs) at which point Rachel says a gun Eddie on my first day back (laughs) could they not have waited till week three (laughs) it's like the opposite of he had one day left before retirement (laughs) this is far too early in the series for a hostage situation I also like the fact that she goes, this is Rochdale, not Hackney or Moss Side. Yes. <laughs> like, in your mind, if there's a gun loose somewhere in this country, where, does, where do you think? I, I just think, like, a farm in Scotland. That's yeah. where my mind goes to. <laughs> Everyone and their mums is packing around here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this isn't the Outer Hebrides or Somerset. Um, so Eddie calms her down, says I need to evacuate um, class by class. Um, Maxine and Janice are in a classroom now, so I don't know what's happened to the crash. Presumably there are infants wandering the school. <laughs> they're um, at large. <laughs> <laughs> they're at large. Um, uh, Earl just walks into Grantley's class, talks back to Grantley, propositions Maxine, um, makes a joke about Janice being easy, um, and then he just begins stalking the corridors. Presumably him and Eddie will eventually just bump into each other. <laughs> Oh, were you stalking there? Sorry, I was just stalking. Um, (laughs) Yeah, sorry. It's a one-way system around here, Earl. I know you're new. So when you're walking, stick to the right, and then we can stalk and not 
like clash. I, there was a lovely bit of um, Sorkinisms when Earl walks in and he just explains Maxine's emotional needs to her. Yes. It sounds like um, when she's like talking to us, talks him down, it's like, you don't talk me down, you talk yourself down because you don't know what you need. Or it's just like, oh, just men who can just diagnose women's flaws in an instant. Yeah. Love the bit, writing. It's, yeah. It's icky. It's icky. It's very. There's a picturesque shot of Grantley's finger. Because <laughs> he I points, can't... he's like, out. And then the camera like focuses on the finger and you're like, there's like all four of them in frame. It's very <laughs> artistic. Um, so uh, Marley sees that Earl's stalking, um, goes after him, accuses him of acting like a psycho, which is fair. Um, Earl notices there's this evacuation going on quietly. Um, and then he grabs Denzel, his much younger brother, and goes to the roof. Because what else would you do? Yeah, I mean, in a panic situation, I always go to the roof. <laughs> I do enjoy that Marley just brushes past his teacher, who, like, the actress who plays his teacher clearly was an extra and did yes. not have a speaking role. <laughs> yeah. They're like, if you if you speak, we have to pay you. So <laughs> do, not make any, do not make any attempt to stop <laughs> this boy running out of your classroom. So at this point, the police show up, led by Flick's dad, uh, the chair of the governors, uh, Ralph Meller. Um, so at which point we see Dante out by the camper van and he cuts himself, puts his hand this on the shirt. And at that point, we, so all, stupid. we all join all the dots immediately. <laughs> I hate this so much. In a really good episode, this is just so stupid. What's it for? What is this for? It serves nothing. It's for like, so they can have one extra person run at the school. That's it. I hate it. It's so silly. It's terrible. Um, so Earl convinces Denzel to take the gun um, by saying they'll go easy on Denzel if they catch him with it. Uh, there's then a... There, so they go through a register outside with all the kids who've assembled and uh, Earl doesn't immediately respond to his name. And so Paul and Bolton like look a bit smug and then Earl appears behind them to say, oh, I'm here. And there's like a jump scare sound effect. It's like, <laughs> they do it a lot with him. <laughs> they do it a lot with him. It's like, there's so many times of him just like stalking the horse. It's just like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> hing, hing, hing. It's very bizarre. Um, so Dante's wander wandering through the school, going, where's everyone? He surprises Denzel, the gun goes off, and everyone like scatters outside and goes to ground. Denzel walks like he's like with the gun, like he's found the ring. <laughs> like it's so weird how like they're basically like his brother says, have the gun, and if it's found on you at this point. Surely the smart, I know it doesn't advance the plot any, but the smartest thing to do is drop the gun in the bin and walk away. Yeah. They'll search the school, they'll find the gun, no arm, no foul. But instead, he gives the gun to an 11-year-old who then proceeds to act like it's the most marvellous thing in the world <laughs> and then accidentally discharges it. Yeah. Um, so Rachel gets the swirly blur cam again as, as her kind of trauma kicks in. They love the swirly blur cam. Love the swirly blur cam. Um, at this point, Dante stumbles out <laughs> with his hand on his bleeding chest. <laughs> and then I feel like they try and play it for comedy, but they don't allow the they moment do, to settle. They do play it for comedy, but like, but I say, think like they, they don't wait for the laugh. <laughs> they, 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 they told him to act like he was injured to fake people out. Yeah. Whereas the realistic thing would be there's blood on his shirt, he walks out like this, and then he just goes, oh no, I'm just covering my hand. Do you know there's a kid with a gun in there? 
but he stumbles out like, oh my God, he's actually been shot. But then, yeah, they don't allow, allow the moment to breathe. Uh, Rachel chooses this moment to run into the school, obviously. <laughs> Swirly blurs everywhere. Um, she finds Denzel, who points the gun at her, and she kind of talks him down, says, you know, we can help you, blah, 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 blah. Guides him out of the school. The police take him away. And then they do this bizarre sort of Doctor Whoism where Ed turns to Rachel and says, you can't save everybody. And Rachel goes, I can try. <laughs> Ugh. Some of like, as, as you know, as we both said, we both quite like this episode, but some of the writing, my sweet golly goodness. Yeah, so like they have more of a flair for like, na- like long, like narratives and timing, but the actual, the writing of the words the dialogue, is still, yeah. yeah, it's where we know it. Yeah. I can't believe I just criticised the dialogue by describing it as the writing of the words. <laughs> the word, the word bit. They do word bits bad. <laughs> um, so Rachel and Eddie at this point nobly decide to take, up, take in the, uh, the psycho family and allow them into the school. They've been there half a day and they've caused a full evacuation of the school. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it's a lot of the show's budget if they don't make these characters into regulars, isn't it? And then they have what follows is a, a couple of very bizarre ideological discussions about guns. Um, so Tom is worrying to Davina about the fact that there are uh, guns in the school. Tom and Davina are just together now. Um, I, I, this is my one note about Davina. <laughs> Here it is. I didn't realise that Tom and Davina were still together as the whole episode wasn't about them arguing about it. Yeah. Because there's never been a Tom and Davina episode which isn't just them going, oh, yeah, are we together? I don't know. Your kids are in the way. <laughs> It's Both of your wives are dead. What is this? <laughs> well, there's been a fifty percent cut in the number of kids, so <laughs> that's fifty percent less stress. M- Mika really was the problem. Um, so Tom's worrying about guns. Davina basically says that it's okay because the police were there and they're good guys with guns. Well, <laughs> at one at one point, you know, barrier to Marley and Flick's true love. Um, the dad who's also the governor who's also in charge of the police and I feel like he's wearing too he is wearing too many combative hats this series he's yelling to Denzel when he's in the school saying if you don't come out in one minute we'll send people in but there are people already in the school there are people already in the school they just don't stop do they no that's why we don't trust the police um Rob then chips in with a bizarre thing about why men need guns and why men have a primal desire to have guns and then tells Jasmine she wouldn't understand because she's a girl. It's all very strange. Again, this is like season three Jasmine Erasure because in that series, she explained how she was a bully and she understood, you know, being in control and the power. And then Rob is just like, you wouldn't understand what it means to be masculine and be in charge and be in control. It's like, yeah, one of her, both of her plots in series three was she's good at football and she was a bully. Yeah. And in this one episode, we've just been pretending that that didn't happen. Uh, she's just young woman who fancy young man. <laughs> and we all fancy Rob. I get it. Everyone fancies Rob, just like we all fancy Matt, but we all have depth. <laughs> we all have textures on top of that. God damn it. So uh, they're in the pub. Tom is talking about 
how he wants uh, protection and security measures at the school. Grantley says, you could arm us and even up the odds, <laughs> which would certainly make series four more interesting. <laughs> I get like, the thing about this is, I know, okay, one gun in a school is one gun too many. Let's all get that out of yeah. the way. But like, again, I don't know where I get a gun in this country. None of those teachers know where they get a gun. No. One random kid brings a gun in doesn't suddenly mean that everyone has guns. Yeah. And like, it is hard. It is implausible to get a gun in this country. And the reason the show doesn't show us how he got it is because it would make no sense for them to do that because they don't know. Yeah. It's just mad kid has gun. By the way, we're not going to explain how he got one because that's just too complicated. Exactly. Um, so there's a cut and then Grantley and Steph are wasted absolutely paralytic slurring at each other <laughs> like how long has passed in that cut it was <laughs> it's quite incredible well in Waterloo road time it could be a second it could be six weeks six weeks exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. um so uh grantley makes some comment about fleur having a bit on the side it's very strange i didn't pick that up <laughs> i just ignore grantley now the <laughs> fact that they keep they keep trying to make him a Daily Mail person and a, like, a comedy caricature. It's yeah. just like, no. It's all very odd. Um, so Eddie and Rachel are talking. Eddie says, oh, I just want to talk to you. And then like, grabs her as if he's going to force a kiss on her. Um, she then runs outside. And the lighting outside makes it look like it's dawn. Like it's 5.30 a.m. <laughs> There's a lot of... Th- like in the show because obviously they film it in the summer for like an a full autumn release yeah so there's a lot of times where they're supposed to be leaving because they've been drinking for a few hours but it's quite clearly dusk yeah and it's like just stop drinking so early <laughs> you heathens um and then she does a proper like you know it's almost on the level of i was 17 and things were difficult at home because she's like how can you like me with this and she reveals her burn yeah the thing about that is that moment makes sense. If at the very start of the episode, the doctor explains, you'll never get rid of those scars. Yeah. Not the doctor saying, if you stayed and had some more skin grafts, that would be fine. And she goes, your opinion doesn't matter here, doctor. <laughs> but now we, we as an audience are supposed to believe that this is something that she is carrying with her. It's, it's ruined her self-confidence. She's like, how can anyone love me when I look like this? When at the start of the episode, she was given an out. Hmm. Like, she chose this. So, like, she chose to be in this pain. I don't understand. Like, that moment could have a payoff, but the fact that we all watched her say, no, 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 you're free medical care, NHS. Yeah, it's different if it's in a country where you have to pay for it and she can't afford it or something. I get that. But, like, here she's just like, no, no, I'm choosing not to have this and I'm going to wield this as an emotional sword (laughs) that none of you can touch. Yeah. And Eddie says, you're special, Rachel. And it's just, don't understand these two. And, like, you know, you were saying uh, a while back about how Waterloo Road Instagram loves Rachel Mason. They love Rachel and Eddie as, like, a pairing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why yet. (laughs) No, I I feel like this is like make the makings of Eddie the incel. It feels like it's going that way. Yeah, it's like he just can't. He's, he's just like being I'm so being nice so to... nice to the sex worker. Why am I, I not being rewarded? You. I forgave you. Your sex with other people. Yes. 
yeah, it, it does feel like it's going that way. Um, so Rachel then gets in a car. Uh, the person in the car with her is Melissa, who we learn is her sister. So, you know, Rachel can't stop defrauding. <laughs> well, the last time I lied to everybody about yeah. something didn't end that badly. <laughs> and uh, Tom and Davina are sort of kissing outside the front door of their place. Um, Chloe and Dante like sort of usher them back in, go quick, quick, get inside. Um, and then uh, Rose Kelly turns up very drunk and starts putting sausages through the door. Um, so we learn that the Kellys are living next door to Tom, Davina, Chloe and Dante. <laughs> Tom's latest weird Frankenstein household. <laughs> what, what I would have enjoyed would be if the, she had posted a stereophonic CD through there. <laughs> she just goes, I found this and a skip outside. <laughs> The DVD of Gareth Southgate's finest moments. <laughs> that would be a short DVD. It would. <laughs> it would. <laughs> yeah, again, we've already discussed this. I didn't like the fact that they just, they really went big on, oh, she's an alcoholic. She does this weird thing where she posts sausages through a door. Like, we get, like, we, we know what alcoholism is. We know that it's something that affects people very, very seriously without you kind of making it a comedy bit, which yeah. is like, lol, check out the person who's drunk and posting sausages. It's like proper, like, benefit street type stuff, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's like, look at the scummy family next door. They be drinking. They be sausaging. <laughs> they be bringing guns into school. They be forming heartwarming romantic bonds with the head girl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's all I want in my life so yeah so Marley come, kind of comes in and saves the day and takes Rose home and then the final shot of the episode is hauntingly Denzel Kelly crying in a police cell presumably this one is not a Rachel Mason prank <laughs> no no this is this is realer and then we get yeah the script at the end <laughs> the worst what's what is this one which one's that one at the end? It's, i can't remember what the title is it's the one that goes to it's like is it just called cry or is it called we cry oh it's, yeah together it's about we crying. cry it's very on the nose it's <laughs> yeah together like, we cry he's That's... crying what song should we play <laughs> it was proper third single of an album that one wasn't yeah. it because it was man they had can't, man be can't be moved which is poor i, I like but... man can't be moved you're just the type who would like Man Who Can't Be Moved. Um, and then you had Break Even, which was a great song. I, inst- I enjoy that one. And then it was just like, oh, God, we need a third one off the album. Yeah. I, I can't imagine how the script would have coped today. Like, because today when we were driving, Harry Styles had released a new song from his album. I was like, I listened to this song like six months ago when the album came out. What's going on here? They just, they just keep releasing songs from albums now. The script would never have coped. Well, but Ed Sheeran does it. Ed Sheeran puts like 10 singles out from each album. No, what Ed Sheeran does is he just releases all of the things on all of the platforms at once. So everyone can just digest it a million times. <laughs> so it was like it was like that summer where it's yeah. like you're listening to the chart and it's like number 17 is Ed Sheeran, yeah. number 16 is Ed Sheeran, number 15 is Zayn Malik, and I number 14 that, yeah. is Ed Sheeran. I think genuinely there was one week where he had 13 of the top 15 songs. <laughs> it was incredible. But, I bet none of the songs ever featured on Waterloo Road. No, no, I'm sure there's no reason for that. Actually, the show went on to 2015. A-Team definitely featured an episode of Waterloo Road. <laughs> Look forward for that to be the play-out song in Series 10. <laughs> Pin it, mark it down, A-Team is happening. Um, so yeah, that's where we leave that episode. Um, 
we get the next time trailer where we meet the security guy at the school who has the hots for Steph Haydock. We'll talk more about that in the next episode because I have lots of things to say about him. Um, Earl threatening Bolton. Um, the secret about Melissa immediately coming out. Um, yeah, and then, classic uh, Waterloo Road. And man. then Eddie being romantic with Mel- Melissa because let's do that whole plot line <laughs> in 30 seconds. We, we literally learned she was her sister maybe three minutes ago. <laughs> I thought, right, I don't begrudge the twist that it was her sister. I thought that the reason that Rachel was putting all of this off and that you had this mysterious person, I thought that was going to be her girlfriend. And I was quite excited to see how that would go. Mm. But no. No. I mean, she could still be her girlfriend, but the show <laughs> has never really breached that. and I don't think it no. wants to. No. I mean, somewhere in series nine, they must, <laughs> they, mu- they must run out of random topics. <laughs> but no, I think that was, for all of the bloat and the was bloat, it was quite a good opener to series four. I enjoyed that. Maybe I'm just lifted by the, the dreams of what Marley and Flick can offer me. I but think we all right are. now, I want a high. I want a love like theirs. <laughs> it was just like, it was, it was just the pure banter, but he was like, can I borrow a pen? Can I borrow a pencil? Can I borrow a ruler? And he does it to annoy her. And then he's just like, the last two were a joke. And she's like, she has that knowing thing. It's just something that like, I do to my other half on a daily basis. <laughs> but yeah, so that's where we leave um, the first episode of series four. We got through it. And this episode is only three hours longer than one of our normal episodes. <laughs> Good, it merits it. Start of the series. <laughs>